Marky Worthington podcast all day. All day. Dream by night. <laughs> Don't buy me a drink. Just give me 10 bucks. <laughs> all day. <laughs> Go down to the strip club with your floppy disk and turn it into a hard drive. Yeah, right. You'll get fucking thrown out by Big Tony. <laughs> we're here to name names and make people feel more ashamed for shit that they're not proud of. Don't blow it. Keep it simple. Count your money. No, whatever it is. All right, welcome to uh, episode 86 of the podcast. This is the Marky Worthington Comedy Podcast, and this week's episode, we've got Ethan Kirk. How you doing, mate? Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good to have you on the show. It's been a while since uh, we spoke about it, and we uh, all the planets aligned, we're able to have you on the show. Mm. However, um, it's worked out well because it's after the festival now that we're recording this, so we've got a few more extra stories and stuff like that as well, so... Yeah, how's things been? Yeah, good. Been very busy with festival. Yep. It's been a hectic 10 days, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, the good thing about the festival is um, even if you um, are just helping out at the festival, whether you've got a show, part of a, a lineup of multiple comedians, you're still like submersed in the festival um, mm. season. You can go to all the shows and everything, which is cool. Yeah, you can go to like... I saw Mark Watson and Sam Campbell on the same night, which were both amazing shows. It's yep. good fun. Yeah, that's it. And a lot of them are, like, selling out too, which is good. Like, um, in previous years, I've gone in to, like, um, help out with a festival or whatever, and they've they've sold out, and then you're like, um, it's good to see that there is a crowd that is coming out of the woodwork for for comedy like mm. they're not necessarily like the crowd you see it at open mics and all that sort of stuff they pretty much are just like the festival crowd um yeah so yeah but there certainly are people there that we can get to other shows for sure yeah that's also good like the transferable crowd um yeah i think it's good it takes like a few sometimes a few big headliners to bring those people out to realize that there is local comedians as well mm. Um, so it's like that. I hate to use corporate terms, but it's like that cross-pollination. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the good thing about the festival club is we have the big names and you get like three or four local acts at the same time. Yeah. And so they can see all of that. Dude, actually, that's something that I wanted to chat about. Um, so not this season, but last festival season, um, I was in the uh, green room. I think Caitlin Mags and I spoke about this on the show last last time I had her on. Um we're chilling out the back. I remember you and I both did work for the festival. We're walking over and we're just like expecting to just see a show, maybe meet a few comedians, that sort of thing. And then you just get asked, do you want to do a spot? What was that like? Uh, I was, I mean, the most nerve wracking 10 minutes of my life. <laughs> yeah. And so Dave from the comedy festival comes up to me. He's like, hey, do you want to go off in 10 minutes? <laughs> I was like, sure. And then I'm very nervous. And Stephen Kamos was there. And I was actually talking to him before my gig and yeah. he cut the conversation short and said, there's actually an 18 year old about to go on. I want to jump in and see him. Then I was like, yeah, that, that's me. And then run around to the back of the green room, <laughs> prepared to go on stage, knowing that people like Stephen K. Amos and- Were waiting to watch. Yeah. And Ivana Aristogueto were all waiting to watch because of this 18 year old they saw. Yeah. 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 That's awesome, man. That's, that's a good story. And I was actually standing next to Stephen K. Amos when he was watching mm. the set and I heard him laughing and stuff like that. So that was, that was good, man. It was like, um, I like to see someone that I am in the scene with on the stage mm. because it's, it's like you said before, it brings everybody up. Yeah. We interviewed him for the radio a couple of days ago now. Mm. And it was funny. They were asking him and he actually remembered the story, yeah. which was cool to hear. Cause you know, to me, I thought he would just forget it. So just, many gigs. Just another yeah. day in his life. But the fact that he remembered it was very cool. 
Yeah, that is awesome, man. And also awesome that he can see you like still like hitting comedy, still doing stuff like a year later and see like that progression if he remembers, you know. Mm. Um, like we were chatting before off mic about how sometimes like you get a lot of people that come into comedy um, for open mics and they're not necessarily like um, repeat um guests like they're just like they'll come and do comedy try it out and they'll be like oh yeah i'll like do one mic a month or something like that and see how i feel about it so i feel like it's it'd be good to see someone it's like oh i remember you from last year and you're still doing it which is good yeah not that you're about to quit anytime <laughs> soon and then the same thing happened last night where they had the full lineup ready i wasn't on it yep. but the person who was second didn't show up yep so the stevenson brothers come up to me they say hey uh do you want to go up in two minutes? Yeah. And so it gives me much less time to worry than the previous 10 minutes I had. You sure, yeah. But I guess I no longer want to be booked for a gig with more than 24 hours notice. Yeah. <laughs> Only give me a few minutes. Up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you, uh, how'd you go last night? No, it was good fun. Good crowd, good room. I mean, to me, it was just, it was insane. Like the lineup of comedians, you had people like Dan Muggleton, mm. Guy Montgomery. Yeah. Um, Michelle Brazer, so many great names. So mm. it was very cool to be in the same green room and then performing with them yeah that's awesome man you coming ahead in leaps and bounds dude like it's um cool i've seen i remember a few of the early shows where you just started um and to see where you've gone where you're going now you were still good um before like when you first started you were so like uh, i think you weren't even 18 where i remember seeing 17 yeah, yeah yeah um i remember there were some venues which like were 18 plus venues so it's just like oh yeah you kind of have to do your set and leave kind of feel yeah like you can't sort of like order from the bar or anything like that you yeah. know like it's even, just... even then i was trying to sneak into them make sure there are no cops around <laughs> yeah. it's like underground outlaw comedy yeah um but yeah and then to see where you are now man that's really cool really cool to see two years of the festival club and then two years of shows in the comedy festival as well you just did a show um for the festival this yeah. year as well yes we did the reunion tour with me scott hawkins caitlin mags and wen Sue. yep which was a lot of fun yeah yeah that's what sparked the conversation before i mentioned that i'm pretty sure that when sue's first time was at an open mic at the basement um and i might have been i might be wrong it may have just been early on was one of his first times the first time i worked with him um but it's good to have heaps of open mics which bring up that new crop of comedians mm. Um, and, and programs like, um, like class clowns and stuff, which you were yeah. part of that really does. I've got another guy, um, that's a regular at the basement now that was class clown 2016 or something. So before you, um, so it's good to see people like sticking with it. Like we said before, what was the, uh, class clowns experience like? Oh, it was great. I mean, so it was when I was in end of year 11 or start of year 12 mm -hmm. around that i can't really remember yeah but there actually weren't enough people in the act to compete so they sent me straight up to the new south wales state final oh shit which was very nerve-wracking because these are all people who have had that workshop already gone yep. through it and this was like my third or fourth time doing comedy yeah and then i went through there i didn't win but they sent me through as the act wildcard to melbourne sure and then once you're in melbourne that's just a dream come true yeah 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 and similar to the Canberra festival you get that festival pass yeah and you can go around as many shows as you like see all the big names and it was the best couple of week and a couple of days of my life yeah that's insane man that's and so young as well like mm. you'd be taking it all in as well like one advantage to that is if you're not drinking you might actually remember it all yeah <laughs> yeah but the 
frustrating thing about it is because they filmed all and put it up on YouTube. Sure. And it's the only thing I have up on YouTube. Right. But it's me in like my fifth gig. Yeah. So yeah. none of it's very good. Right. And I have people be like, oh, yeah, you do comedy. I'm going to go look you up on YouTube. Sure. Yeah. I just yeah. saw this and it's like me as 17 year old. Right. Half my jokes don't make sense. <laughs> Half of them don't land with the crowd because it's a bunch of school kids. Yeah. But yeah, it was good fun. Yeah. And um, do you have like, uh, do you have any stories from the comedy festival from when you were like down in Melbourne for the first time? Like how, how was that? Did you stay down there for the week or what? Yeah. So the comedy festival put us up in a hotel for like three days. Oh, really? And then we, me and my mum paid a few extra days so we could yeah. stay longer. Yeah. And just like being around the vibe of this, like one day we're just walking around in the streets and we ran into Chris Marlton. Yeah, cool. And so, things like that, walking around, seeing other comedians, sure. everyone's excited about who's in town, what other shows are <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's pretty funny when you're somewhere else and you see someone from yeah. Canberra, you're like, oh, shit. Like, you have that moment where you're just like, oh, we're both doing this. Yeah, I think we might have both been in the lineup to go see Ross Noble. Yeah. Which was an insane show. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's your... Um, what's your usual type of comedy like even before you did comedy was there any any comedians that you remember watching before you tried it for your first time i'm not too sure because i was raised like very religious so right i really wasn't allowed to watch like much stand-up at all yeah let alone like anything like the simpsons or anything yeah yeah but i think the first one i ever watched was <laughs> jack whitehall okay and i guess that's more of like a storyteller yeah, sure. type show so i tend to like people like that people like your bird crushes yeah, tom yeah. segura yeah all those storytelling comedians. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think that like that sort of shapes who we like sort of influenced by. Mm. Um, I think that, so a lot of mine was like random British humor because my, my old man like preferred the like John Cleese, Monty Python yeah. type stuff. Um, so there's that. But I also think that like maybe it was... Um, a good thing that you didn't have too much influence because it's kind of like um you're not sort of mimicking anybody mm. like I, I know at the open mic level sometimes you do see a few comedians that will like they'll have you can tell who inspires them because they're kind of like whether it's subconscious or consciously like mimicking a comedian like you'll even see like aussie guys with like american accents when they do comedy because yeah. they're like so influenced by american comedians yeah, I mean, you could probably ask any of the open micers around, and they'll probably say I'm ripping off John Mulaney or something like that yeah. in the way the way I stand, the way yeah. I walk around the stage, stuff like that. <laughs> There's a um, show called um, uh, "I'm Dying Up Here" with Pete Holmes. Yeah, and uh, he in that series he does a whole Christian tour as like a Christian mm. comedian, and uh, it's so funny to watch like that style of comedy. Like he's just doing all this like all these like massive churches and he's pay getting paid heaps of money and all that sort of stuff. But the boundaries are so solid. Like there's just really no wriggle room for anything that might be like potentially bad like, mm. well, perceived as bad. So yeah, there's like, there's heaps of potential for comedians that are like super clean and like want to take that route to do the the church comedy christian yeah. comedy because there's big money in it there's massive especially in the states right it's not so much here but um and that was a good series actually have you seen that yeah 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 and no, it was really good it was like three or four years ago yeah it, yeah same sort of like when i was 
about uh, maybe a year into comedy. I watched it about two years into comedy. Mm. I started watching that, so just after you've seen it. But um, there's that one, and there's also the... Um, the there's a whole bunch of other series like the comedy store documentary and that sort of yeah. stuff it was really cool yeah the one on stan in australia yeah yeah, yeah it's got like the four or five series going through the whole history of the comedy store that was fascinating yeah do you ever have any like um do you have like a bucket list of comedians that you want to see that you haven't seen yet not that i've actually i do have like a bucket list and i've ticked off a fair chunk of them over like the last three or four months sure so on there are people like chris rock yeah. dave chappelle Kevin Hart, who I saw on Friday night. Yeah, nice. People like John Mulaney. Where was that at? Where was Friday In night? Sydney. In so Sydney. In Kudos Bank. Yeah. Uh, John Mulaney a couple of months ago. Yeah, was it? I was there for um, a gig recently as well, but like a music gig. Yeah. Um, 21,000 people. Yeah. What the fuck? That's yeah, well, insane. That's about what they had for Chappelle, because he was doing it in the round. Yeah. They filled up the entire place, and it was just like, as he walked out with, you can hear his voice, a voice track. It was just iconic, like all these 21,000 people screaming. That's insane, man. That's like a fucking dream moment. Yeah. Like for him, that's probably a common thing. Mm. But like to, you can't really be a stand-up comedian without having a bit of an ego, right? Like you can't like, like I'm not about to say, oh, I'm like humble. I don't have an ego, all that sort of shit. Um, and Part of that is just the idea of going out to like 21,000 people or however many fucking yeah. people. Like, it's just insane to be able to just think of like all those people are there, not just because I'm opening for someone or whatever, but if they're there for you, that's next level A shit. crazy level of confidence. Yeah. Yeah. It would be just hard not to think I could like, it's hard to think that, um, anyone can get to that level but then when you see it you're like oh yeah it's fucking definitely possible if someone came to you today and said tonight you're opening for so and so at kudos bank twenty one thousand people mm. would you have five that you know you would do yeah yeah it's already in your head ready to go yeah yeah i've got i've got five now and that's because of shit like that happening yeah not obviously twenty one thousand people but i've had gigs where like they were like really good opportunities and i didn't have a tight five um and i still managed to wrangle it and get it done but like um it's just it's important to have that tight five in the back pocket because things like that do happen mm obviously not 21,000 people but like I've had um Creed Braddon from the office opened at the base uh performed at the basement I got hit up for a spot for that and I was like yep cool I've got a spot didn't confirm how much time I had to do but kind of knew that um there was no other supports he's a musical act it's standing people are standing Mm. not sitting and there's 500 people okay cool how much time do you want me to do they're used to booking musical acts so they're like oh just half an hour is that all right yeah wow so like two weeks out i already knew that i was going to be opening but it wasn't until like two weeks out from the gig that they confirmed it was half an hour so Mm. Um, I had to, but luckily it was like not long before my, um, solo show. 
because so you, so you had stuff ready to go. I had 45 ready to go. So I just tightened that down, pulled out a couple of the longer bits because like a standing crowd for a music gig isn't going to listen to it like a story. Yeah. So I pulled out some of the longer bits and just did that and it was fine. It was good. Yeah, nice. That's mm. sick. Yeah, full half an hour. Crowd was great. Crowd was there to see Creed, but I mm. managed to like win a few people over. Get them and- on your side. Once you win a few people over, the rest of the crowd is good, but you only need to lose a few to lose everybody. Mm. But the good thing was it was at the basement, and I'm confident with that yeah, room. Done it, done it heaps of times. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'll be opening for Anthony Lacazio, Sydney comic, in a few months. Mm. And he asked me to open, and I was like, yeah, where is he? He said Smith's. I was like, oh, sweet. You know it. I've done Smith's before. Yeah. That's Whereas, because there's always a bit of nerves going into a new room. Sure. But somewhere like Smith's, which is the first place I did stand up, yeah. I've done it. 20 30 40 times since yeah so i feel confident doing it yeah yeah yes miss is the first place i ever did stand mm. up as well in 2017 um and that's always gonna hold a spot with me like smith's is, although basement's my home room and that's where i am most like that's where i have done probably more stage time um smith's is still my thing yeah yeah, you actually had a taste of the back room recently at the basement. So, like, you, we don't normally do gigs there. We do it in the main room yeah. in the front. Um, but they had a gig on there, like a full-on metal gig. Yeah. And uh, we had to book the back instead. What was – what do you – I mean, it wasn't a massive crowd. There's still a few people there. Um, what do you think of the back room? It was crazy. I liked the stage, but because there was that huge metal gig on next door, yeah. it was so hard to even, like, hear my own thoughts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, the audience there, they understood the conditions yep. that we kind of didn't have the home ground advantage because sure. we were next door. Yeah, yeah. And they all seemed to enjoy it. They're all very friendly crowd. Yeah. So, yeah, but it was a good fun. Yeah. It's a, like that um, That back room used to be where it was mm. like all the time. Even if there was nothing in the front, it used to just be in the back. Um, and honestly, I feel like although I prefer the front um, just because you can get more space like more um more audience that sort of stuff which i mean a lot of front room gigs you could probably fit in the back it would be tight yeah you'd be fine but every now and again we'll just have a random gig at the basement where like heaps of people will turn up so i always like to have that ability in case we do get a big crowd to be in the front room yeah yeah however if i was going to book a gig to record for like just like a solo show i'd love to do like 40 people back room theater style seating just like no tables or mm. anything just like just chairs me and the people yeah and that room would be like would feel massive with with um 40 people in it mm. like for recording that would be really good that's one of my goals yeah is, is to I've, I've got my 45 from my solo show i've got a different half an hour i did for the comedy festival so it's two different sets I'm hoping to combine that, cut out 15 and make an hour, which I'll record in that back mm. room. Yeah, no, cool. Um, so that then I can have things, like you said before, the samples for YouTube and things yeah. like that, you know, so people can actually see a better, more saying, accurate... Something more recent. Yeah, more accurate representation of what, I, what my comedy is. Mm. I've still got my first, like, five-minute sample that I used to use to send to people. It was me yeah. opening for a guy called Bill Macon yeah. um, in the Canberra Comedy Festival in 2018. So I'd only been doing comedy for, like, six months. And I um, managed to get it, like, it was pretty good. Like, I was, it was my best five at the mm. time. 
Um, and but the problem was it's like really hard to film at someone else's show because you're not going to be like, hey, like I know I'm just opening, but can I have like a bunch of cameras here and shit? Yeah. So I, the the cameras as good as it can be, but I'm glad that I've got a stage and good sound now to get good samples. Yeah, well, there's a US comic, Seton Smith, who opens for John Mulaney. Mm-hmm. And I think it was when Mulaney was performing at Madison Square Garden, he took the opportunity to film his set and put it up as a YouTube special. So he did like a 30-minute set in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And so he did use that opportunity opening sure. for someone else to record his own special. Nice. Because, you know, you don't get in front of a crowd like that every day. That's pretty funny. It's like yeah. not his crowd. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and he sets it up that, like, he asked Mulaney if he could do it. Mulaney said no, but he did it anyways. Oh, fuck. And puts it up on YouTube. That's fucking wild, man. I um, I actually recorded my opening set for Doug Stanhope. Um, I wasn't obviously allowed to record Doug's set, um, so it was kind of difficult because we needed to, like, quickly pack up the camera after because mm. um, you didn't want to set this, like, image of, like, cameras and shit because then sometimes the audience will think it's okay to film. And uh, Doug already has troubles with people filming stuff. Um so like even though everyone knows not to film we still had to tell multiple people to stop filming like at the recent stanhope gig so it's just yeah it's just one of those things where you want people to not film but they're always going to fucking try yeah you got to get some of those yonder pouches for the basement (laughs) yeah yeah. lock the phones up in i don't know man like i think that um i think that I'd prefer people just didn't film, but at the end of the day, I have heard that those yonder pouches are really good for comedy. Like so many people have said that they like have really good sets when the f- no one is like filming or on their yeah. phones or fucking around or distracted or whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, all the big acts are doing it now. All the ones that have come to Australia recently, mm. like I mentioned before, for Kevin Hart, Mulaney, mm. Chris Rock, Chappelle, all of them phones locked away. Yeah, I think. Chappelle even popped into the Enmore Comedy Club at Enmore Theatre. I heard that, yeah. And he did like a two-hour set. Yeah. And everyone just rocked up thinking it was a normal comedy club. Yeah. And they have to lock their phones up and Chappelle walks out. Yeah. Yeah, um, Cameron Ribbons was saying that he has a mate up in Sydney who does comedy that was bumped for Chappelle. Yeah, like right. Like he was about to go out. Actually, I'll chat to him. on. I'm having him on the podcast again at some point soon because uh, he this is a funny thing cameron messages me after the last podcast he's like oh we need to do another one i just remembered a story i forgot to tell <laughs> no, fuck all right then so um we did one in i think january and it was like a hot summer's day in this room dude mm. and it was fucking cooking yeah all right yeah it was so hot man and i did like a time lapse of like me just being like hey it's gonna get hot and then just time lapse of us just slowly melting into <laughs> the chairs and neither of us wanted to like admit that we were like it was getting too warm so we just fucking sat in it it was Mm. so wild but anyway um he was saying that he was mate was about to get on stage and apparently one of the people was just like no sorry man um you can't go up just yet and he's just like why and he looked over and Chappelle was there and he's like oh fuck all right fair enough you'd accept that (laughs) yeah it's almost a better story yeah to get out of it true yeah exactly like i feel like me getting bumped for dave Chappelle would be better than me talking about the set that i did yeah exactly um so yeah that's something i would remember um but yeah we we got a fair few um big comedians that we've knocked off the off the lists over the years like um i think i'm such a um like we're saying before it's hard to not have an ego i'm such a fucking narcissist that i 
don't just want to like see comedians like my bucket list is like people that i want to like open for or perform Mm. with like i i make my shit like a little not as obviously i wouldn't say no to any of the top tier comedians but i sort of have a few underground comedians that i like for me there's certain underground comedians that i'd prefer to open for than there's big comedians that i'd prefer to like watch you know what i mean like i'd prefer a more like personable experience Mm. not saying i wouldn't go and watch one of the big ones but um i think that my biggest thing is opening for comedians like stan hope and stuff like that you get to try your shit on their crowd yeah and they've built like a loyal following based on their material and if they're like slightly more like um edgy sort of material in in their set you know that you can use your more edgy shit Mm. because like you know that that crowd's cool with that it's what they used to yeah yeah exactly where it's so hard if you open for someone that's not a similar style to yourself you're like i have good material but i don't think it'll be good for this crowd like i don't often pander to the crowd but if I'm opening for someone, you do have to kind of keep it in mind, I think. Yeah. Although, I actually, I think I kind of prefer when they're completely different to the headliner. True. Because <laughs> I saw, when I saw Kevin Hart a few days ago, yeah. he had three openers, or like his plastic cup boys, which mm. is the name of his gang that he travels around with. Yeah. But they all have like the same life experiences. Yeah. They're with each other all the time. So, they have like almost the exact same jokes. Yeah. And one of them did 15, one did 20, one did 30. Mm. And it was all just the exact same material. Yeah, right. Whereas when I saw Louis CK, he had, you know, a female comic, young yeah. female comic, a middle-aged um, male comic. Yeah. And so there's diff- pulling from different life experiences and different sure. stories. Yeah, yeah, true. That's a good point. Um, it's good to mix it up a little bit. But I mm. think you're kind of taking a risk with certain crowds. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes that risk is worth it. I mean, I um, when I seen Jim Jeffries in like July mm. last year. Um, oh, you were at that gig yeah. as well, yeah. Um, his opener was like different, but also like kind of a bit similar. Like it was, his opener was a bit more like um, is it Amos Amos Gill. That's it. Yeah, that yeah, his name, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't remember the name. Um, but he he like kind of had similar style to Jim. But yeah, it was, it was still different. Yeah. Um, it's a bit like when I opened for Doug, his tour manager was just like, do you have like just a quick breakdown of your set just so that I can make sure you're not like sort of got anything too similar. Mm. And, um, I gave him a rundown and he was just like, that's, that's going to go really well. Like it's not the same, but there's some things there that he can riff on. Yeah. It's adjacent to what Doug would. I did a bit that in, that like included, um, like meth heads yeah and he it wasn't part of his actual set or whether it was or wasn't like what he was planning on doing it worked out perfectly because he that put him into a tangent when he went up because he's like oh Marky was talking about meth heads that reminds me of and then he did this like 15 minute bit about meth that was amazing and i was just like I don't know whether he planned on doing it or just because I had my bit, it like reminded him of that, Mm. but it was so good. And I'm like, I hope that like 
I led him into that. But if not, he still did it so seamlessly. It looked like he just thought of it on the spot. Yeah. Hmm. So that was kind of a cool moment. No, it's very cool to be able to open for someone like that. He's, um, as well as me recording it though, my, um, so I got the recording, but also the tour manager recorded it from the fallback speaker. So like, yeah, the, yeah into like a, like a Zoom recorder, like we're using for this podcast right now. And, um, he also used like, um, a mic pointed towards the audience and mixed it. Right. So not only did I get a good recording of my set, but also the tour manager sent me my part of the set, um, which was just audio. So I've got like good audio and good yeah. video. So I'm actually thinking of turning that into a sample clip, um, to use for like, if I get spots or whatever. Yeah. I mean, when I, whenever I've done kicks in Sydney, I've just sent them audio clips from mm. last year's festival club. So I mean, I didn't, I didn't find I actually needed the video. It was just that audio because, you know, you can tell if someone's laughing or not just by yeah. listening. Yeah, true. So, yeah, it's been, but having recorded bits like that, especially at good gigs and big gigs is so helpful. Yeah, yeah. And having decent recordings. I've heard of people um, not booking comedians. Because I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts mm. and I heard one recently where they said like there was this person that they turned down because they didn't have it. They didn't know whether they were good or not and they didn't have any decent videos or whatever. And then they seen them in person and they were really good. And they're like, I wish that their like videos would just yeah. shown me that. But it's, I guess sometimes you just can't roll the dice on some comedians if you're booking a big lineup if you don't know whether they're good or not you know yeah you gotta cause you want to make sure it is a consistent good lineup yeah and there's not one person who you haven't seen Ticket have no idea what they're gonna do yeah yeah I, I sometimes find like with open mics you can sometimes have like a decent lineup at an open mic mm. um but it also comes down to like the order and how you like put it together yeah um sometimes you don't want to have like five new comedians and then a break because yeah. like people just fuck off um, yeah you kind of want to space them out between people who have been doing it for a little bit longer yeah and you, you think are more guaranteed to get a couple laughs i've seen people that are like it might be their second or third time but i know that they have high energy mm. and then i have someone else that might be their like second or third time as well so they're both similar skill set you would normally separate them but i know one's got high energy and one's got like more like deadpan so you're yep. just like i'll still put them together because it's two different like you said before mm. with the openers it's two different types of comedy so they'll work well i think a lot of people that want to watch comedy come along to open mics because normally they're cheap or free yeah um and also they can see whether they like certain people or not like what whether they go out and watch like a ticketed gig as much as i like as much as um it's sort of hit or miss at open mics i think that they do definitely contribute to sales at ticketed gigs yeah for sure and i think people like seeing the process of of an open mic because mm. there are quite a few people around canberra that come regularly to different mics mm. and they like seeing a comedian try out a joke for the first time yep. and then the next gig or the gig after that it slowly improves and gets better yeah until they've got a really nice polished bit i actually um chris martin was telling me that um, someone had a special where they like the bonus material in the comedy special was like, it was like one of their closing bits 
you could see the progression. So what they actually did is they had a video of them saying it to their partner just at home. Mm. And then like at an open mic and then at like a bigger gig. Yeah, and finally right. finally watch it, like it become the closer for the yeah. special. No, it's very cool. Yeah, so I like that. I like to record all my shit. Like I'm lucky enough that I have like decent um, equipment um, just from podcasting and mm. stuff over the years. I managed to like accumulate a lot of um crap um yeah i said that to you before uh, off mic yeah don't collect anything dude yeah you get to a certain point in your life and you're just like all right i'm gonna be 30 soon and i have all this fucking too much stuff yeah by the time this podcast comes out i'll be 30 and you better fucking believe (laughs) that i've got a box of cables in the shed yeah for shit that's never gonna be used Like you just, I think you hit a certain age and you just have for every 10, every decade, every decade that there's been technology in your life, you have a box of fucking random cables. Yeah. And for me, that's two decades. Yeah. Yeah. Not even. Yeah. Yeah. For you, that's pretty much your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Cause you, like, do you have any memories where there wasn't like mobile phones or internet? Not, I mean. Not internet. I remember. I mean, when I was young, I wasn't using the internet a whole heap. Yeah. And I remember my parents, when I was like six or seven, had like a Nokia brick. Yeah. But that's probably the earliest I can remember. That's having phones, Or like a flip phone. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's all I can remember. But we still had like, we had a VHS tape. Yeah. We had all that old stuff because yeah. even though I'm young, we weren't rich. So we were still running off the old stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I literally had to move a VCR record off your chair so you could sit down. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I feel like this podcast is just, like, a fucking trip down the stairs. Yeah. Lane. Um, like, there's, like, literally a PS2 right next to your yeah. head. Um, for those of you watching the video edition, you can see it. And those, the, is that one the PS2? Yeah, that's the PS2. <laughs> yeah, right, I've never seen one of those before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I recognize the PS4 yeah, and, and the, the Xbox 360 yeah. and the printer, but <laughs> not the PS2. <laughs> It's so funny that for the audio listeners, they just think we're in some prehistoric cave. Yeah. Um, and we're in Dick Smith's museum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I used to work there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were, ch- we're, we were chatting off Mike as well about, we didn't, it sounds like we, we talked for so, we crammed so much into our off mic yeah. conversation. Um, it was like the open mic version. We just hit the key points of what we wanted to yeah, chat type about. five minutes. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we got a you got a recent story with um, Jimmy Carr. So like I I seen an article. I'm gonna put the article in the show description. Yeah. Um, really cool story about how you met Jimmy Carr yeah. and hung out with him. And what's the story? Yeah, so Jimmy was in town a few weeks ago for his terribly funny tour. Yep. And I went on the Monday night, and towards the gig, I'm with Sam Silla. He asks, "Are there any teenage boys in the audience?" And you know, no one pipes up. So eventually, I say, "Yeah, I'm 19." And he goes, "Right." I'm going to give you the talk. And like, we all know what the talk is. (laughs) I just never expected it to come from Jimmy Carr. So we go back and forth for like 15 minutes. He's giving me, he's telling me stuff. I'm trying to pitch in jokes when I can in front of the whole Canberra theater. (laughs) And then the next day, because I work for a couple of radio stations in Canberra. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to get an interview with him because I've been turned down by his publicist before and his tour manager. Yeah. But I really, it's like my white whale. I really wanted to get him. Yeah. So I go out and hang out by the stage door at Canberra Theatre and I was ready to wait for five hours for the chance to not even see him. 
But then after like 20, 30 minutes, he just casually wanders by. And so I get up and I'm like, hey, Jimmy, it's Ethan from last night. I work for a couple of radio stations. Is there any chance I can please ask you a few questions? And Jimmy goes, I'm on my way to the bank. If you can walk with me and keep up, ask away. So all of a sudden- Is he I'm a just, fast walker? He is, yeah. yeah. All of a sudden, I'm just walking along Grima Place, London Circuit, jaywalking past traffic lights with Jimmy Carr. Holy shit. Yeah, it was crazy. Would and you then- take your car for him? Pardon? Would you take a car for him if yeah. you seen it coming? Oh, 100%. Like, Jimmy, no, please. Let me. <laughs> It'll come in slow motion. And then we get to the bank and Jimmy's like, I'll be about 20, 30 minutes. If yeah. you want to hang around, that's fine. We can keep walking after. And yeah, I was ready to wait for five hours. So, another 30 minutes, of course. No trouble. And so, eventually he comes out and he asks me if there's any good fine dining places You're around. You're sorting out his taxes, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's making sure it doesn't get fucking done. 30 minutes is a long time in a bank. Yeah. So, uh, oh, if you're not Jimmy Carr, it would have been longer, I yeah. think. Yeah. And then he comes out, asks if there's any fine dining. But, you know, what 19-year-old in Canberra knows the best fine dining places? <laughs> so, all of a sudden, we're walking up and down Lonsdale Street. But it's like 3.30 in the afternoon. So, that gap between lunch and dinner. So, yeah. everything's closed. Yeah. And eventually, after like 30 minutes, he points out at Guzman and Gomez. Yeah. He's like, oh, I, th- I think I went there last time I was in camera. Let's go again. And then I just walk into Guzman and Gomez with Jimmy Carr. Holy fuck. And it was just, Did and anyone I, recognize him while you're walking around? I, not while we're walking around. Yeah. A couple of people were in the Guzman and Gomez, a couple of the staff. Yeah. Did like a double take. Yeah. You notice. And then they looked at me like, what are you doing with? <laughs> Who are you? You're obviously just the one to take the car. Yeah. If it hits. Yeah. And then, you know, he offered to buy me lunch, bought me a drink, and we got those Mexican Haritos. Yeah. Those stuff drinks. It's in like a glass bottle. And they used to be a screw top, but yeah. now they're a bottle opener. Yeah. And I've got one on my keys, which Jimmy sees. So, he passes the bottle to me to open. I go to open it up, but I'm just so but nervous. he's seen it? He saw my keys. He just noticed it. Yeah, he saw my keys. Saw so Saw the bottle opener. Yeah. I go to put the bottle down after opening it. Yeah. And it just collapses everywhere. It just the, shat- bottle just the bottle shatters. shatters. What the fuck? And all of a sudden, all over the table, Mexican cola. It sprays, <laughs> it onto, cola. His, sprays onto his shirt. It was the, the most embarrassing was he moment wear- Was he life. wearing like a white colored shirt or? It was like a green, like an army green color. Not oh, camo, but that yeah. color. Imagine him in camo, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he was trying to hope you didn't see him. Yeah, that's why no one recognized him in public. He <laughs> yeah. was in camo, hiding yeah. in the bushes. <laughs> You just hear his laugh if you listened in. <laughs> so, yeah, but it was one of the worst moments of my life is when I spilt Mexican cola on Jimmy Carr. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Mexican cola seems more sticky than normal cola. Yeah, it's like exactly. a different kind of sugar. Yeah. <laughs> more, more of a natural sugar, more yeah, of a yeah. sap. Yeah, yeah. More, more, more of like a, like a starch base. Yeah. Yeah, so... What do you, what do you do? Did he have to like clean it off? What did? He- yeah, well, yeah, we helped uh, clean down the table. He was very chill about it. He was like, "Let's move to the next table. Let's keep chatting." Mm. We got the staff to help come clean it up, and then we moved along to the next table and started going more in depth about comedy. Yeah, getting this yeah. two hour masterclass from Jimmy Carr. That's amazing, man. And then I remember you came to the open mic out the back of the basement yeah, that night. That night, and <laughs> I was sh- shaken. I, yeah. I, you know, I. Did, couldn't comprehend anything that happened that day sure, and yeah. my whole world was just in question we were all just sitting around listening we were there for the open mic and then just coincidentally got that story yeah well i didn't i was running around so i'm hearing it now for the first time um you spoke about it on stage as well but is there any bits that you worked on that you like uh are working on now like not that not that i've done because it happened just before comedy festival sure 
all the gigs I've done have been getting ready for that. Yeah, yeah. But now that the festival's over, I think I'll start going back to the audio, listening to bits. You have, so you have audio recorded. Yeah, so he got me, so the first 10 minutes I recorded for radio purposes. Yeah. And then the next hour or so, he told me to record it just for my own personal use. So mm-hmm. I can still listen back to it. Yeah, sure. Because we're, we're like trying to punch up my jokes. Yeah. So I can go back to the audio and hear what he actually was saying. That's amazing, mm. man. So how did you record it? Did you use like- Just mics? on my phone. Yeah. Just- I was literally walking around the city just holding my phone up like that with voice memos. That's awesome. Because, you know, I could have asked the station for any any better, like, audio equipment or, like, a proper mic to walk around with. Yeah. But I think it was actually kind of cooler just to have, like, this very rough recording. Yeah. You can still make out and tell that it's Jimmy Carr. Yeah. And at one point early on, we're, like, at the lights and you hear a bus go past and we're just stuck behind the generator. Yeah. So you can't hear that part. Fuck. But, yeah, thing i like having the rough recording of it yeah yeah that's really cool man that's a really good story i'm glad i'm glad that um i'm glad that it paid off man like yeah like you could have been there for five hours and not seen him at all oh yeah and it's happened before with other comedians where i've raided around yeah like when i was 17 russell brand was in canberra Mm. and i was waiting at the stage door again not for an interview because i wasn't with the station but just to meet him Mm. And I knew that there were two stage doors to the camera theater. Yeah. And But you can't see them from each other. Yeah. So you have to hedge your bets and say, am I going to be at this one or sure. this one? And so turns out on that day where I went to meet Russell Brand, I was at the wrong stage door and he right. popped in around the other side. Right. So I have had experiences where I've ride, waited for hours Nothing. and seen no one, but that's luck of the draw. That's how it goes. Same thing happened with Noel Fielding. So mm. um, I went to see him like years ago. It was probably like 2015 or something. Hadn't even done comedy before. In Canberra? Yeah. Um, and he was, it might have even been 2014. Like it was It was a fair while ago. Mm. And everyone was out the front waiting for him. And me and like a few other people, the person I went with was like, let's go out the back instead. And we're all out the back. There's probably about 20 of us out the back, but there's like a hundred people out the front. Mm-hmm hoping he'd come out at the camera theater yeah yeah right because every time i've done it it's i've been the only one there yeah so which is crazy what happened was the security guard comes out and goes hey if you want to meet him he's out the front and everybody fucked off and i'm there with the person i was with um to watch that they bought the ticket so i was just like there's hundreds of people out there mm. Whereas we're one of two people. Yeah. If we stay out the back, we might see him. So because of my like stupid theory, we were standing out the back and one other person decided, oh yeah, you might be right. Let's stay. I'm going to stay here with you. So there's three of us out the back. Everyone else has just ran around the front. And as they say that, the roller door opens and he goes and a van drives out. Right. And he just... Like, this is out the back, back, like, with the parking and everything. He drives, a van drives out, and as it's driving away, we just see Noel Fielding push his face up against the back of the van and wave goodbye to us, three people. So, he got straight into the van. And left straight from Wow. Because, that's crazy, because all the, like, Jimmy Carr, he was just walking around with no security. No, nothing, yeah. And so, most of the other comedians I've seen, like, I met Ronnie Chang at last year's comedy festival at the stage door. 
he just rocked up in an Uber. Yeah, right. And so it's crazy that Noel Fielding did the celebrity route that like yeah. you would see a Chappelle do. Yeah. Get straight into the black van with tinted windows. And Yeah, and just as he's driving off, he just pushed his... He still had, like, all his stage makeup and everything on. Yeah. He just fucking pushed it. He was dressed up, like, in his... With his, like, poofy hair and everything. Like, yeah. It's all, like, poofed up and stuff. Mm. Like, at the back, all the, like, hairspray and shit. And he's just yeah. like, eh, like, against <laughs> the thing. But yeah, that that wraps us up, man. Are you um, yeah, you got every got everything. Anything coming up? Uh no gigs as of yet. I guess you just find me in and around Canberra. Yep. trying to do a couple gigs in Sydney. Trying to line those up. I think June 9th will be opening for Anthony Lacazio. Mm-hmm. So yeah, come along. It'll be good fun. Yeah, cool. Yeah, check out Ethan Kirk. And uh, if you're listening to this, you already know me. But check it out. If you haven't, check out uh, markycomedy.com. That's my website. And you can see everything from there. Um, Until next time, thanks for listening and um, peace. Cheers. Cheers. Don't buy me a drink. Just name names. Yeah, right. Big Tony. You'll get fucking thrown out of the strip club with your floppy disk. All day. Make people feel shamed for shit all day. (laughs) Don't blow it into a hard drive. Yeah, right. Keep it simple. Count your money. That they're not proud of. Just give me 10 bucks. All right.